Hello everyone and welcome to Back of the Grid. I'm your host this week, Chris, and I'm joined as always by Stu. Hello. And a slightly poorly Tom this week, so he might be a bit quieter than usual. I'm trying. Poor Tom. I'm present. I'm spying on here. That's all we can really ask. A little bit of a quiet week this week ahead of the Brazilian Grand Prix. So I've just sort of gathered a few newsy bits that's happened over the last few weeks that we sort of didn't really talk about because there was so much actual racing going on. It's um, it's felt like there's been a lot of races packed into a very tight schedule recently. So we can we can take a breather and digest some newsy bits. Mm. Uh, mm. First one being that which we've sort of talked about before, but it's it's all official now that Audi have confirmed they are teaming up with Sauber from 2026. So Sauber will be the team taking the Audi power units uh, with the new rule set in 2026. And Audi are also going to take a stake in the Sauber team. So they will effectively be the works Audi team from uh, 2026 onwards. Wow, that's really big news. It is. It's a big deal having a... Someone as big as Audi joining the grid. Um, still no word on if and when Porsche are going to be uh, joining the party, but yeah, definitely have an Audi. Uh, obviously, that means the current Sauber association with Alfa Romeo is going to be ending. Uh, that's actually ending after next season. Um, so they, they've Sauber have confirmed that they're going to carry on using Ferrari power units until the end of 2025. So it sort of begs the question, are they going to just be just Sauber for a couple of years? Or will they kind of try and find a title sponsor just to tide over those couple of years? It's a slightly weird situation because obviously Audi mm. aren't going to put mm. their name on a car that's powered by Ferrari engines, are they? <laughs> that would be a bit weird. Um, yeah. It's quite exciting for me because the last time Sauber were part of a German works manufacturer team, they were actually pretty good. Went pretty so, well, yeah. Well, yeah, I was going to mention the BMW era that, like, race win. Should have won a world championship. Yeah, second in the the constructors as well, yeah. Yeah, Kubica could have won a world championship and they put all the development into the next season. And everyone was speculating, Mm. remember when 2009 rolled around, everyone was expecting the BMW Sauber to be the class Mm -hmm. of the field. And it just wasn't. Nope. And One um, of the worst decisions in F1 history, I would say that. They they could have been right in the mix for that championship, and they they threw it away for they, they forfeited it for the next season, and the next season it just didn't go their way. So it's such a shame. So yeah, another another chance for them maybe with uh, with another German manufacturer with Audi. Yeah, Audi. Um, yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see if like they start Gosh. putting resources into Sauber earlier on to kind of give them a good footing to actually start the Audi named era under, you know, obviously they don't want to be, Hey, Audi, we're here. We're at the back of the grid sort of thing. They might try and sort of start just putting money and resources in the next few years to sort of build up to that point, potentially. Um, it could be cool to see just a Sauber team competing again. It's been a long time since we've had just Sauber, hasn't it? Hmm. Yeah. Like, I mean, they, they go through peaks and troughs like that, don't they? Like yeah. little little era with a title sponsor that kind of makes a Sauber name almost disappear, and then just come back as Sauber for a bit until the next one starts. It's like like that, like that time they were the Chelsea Football Club Sauber. Oh yeah, <laughs> so weird. Yeah. So, uh, and I, I guess yeah. the other question: This is well, potentially Bottas and Joe are in a really good place now, but. 
do we think they'll actually both still be there for the point that they are, Audi? Mm, it's a long way away still, isn't it, really? You've got three, you've got, you've got three full seasons between now and then. Mm. So... It does make you wonder how they're gonna how they're gonna play it. Like, how do Sauber survive between now and twenty twenty six unless they have a really big title sponsor? Is what I want to know. You know, it. I, I've got to imagine how are you going to be pumping money into keep them going and like keep them moving forward. Yeah, I guess. To. I mean, it's not like they're going to do anything amazing with a Ferrari engine in it between now and 2026, is it? Like the amount of money you'd have to pump into a team like that to get them, you know, winning races. No. Just and Audi aren't going to want them to win races in that time either, are they? Really? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So they'll probably keep them. They'll probably keep them going. They'll probably like do enough to tide them over. Yeah. But actually, when it comes to sort of winning races and real development, maybe maybe a lot of it's going to go into infrastructure and like the the actual sort of workings of the team. So like wind yeah. tunnel technology, mm-hmm. um, R and D, all that kind of thing, and then it, lay the groundwork for when the for when. Audi eventually get there and then once Audi do put the engine in the back of it they hopefully hit the ground running and and they're competing yeah. you know that's what we want to see right that's that's the ultimate aim for all this is for there to be more teams at the front competing with the fastest three so yeah absolutely. I think as well like it's not like Bottas and Joe can't bring sponsors in between them like mm-hmm. I'm not saying they're going to bring like a huge title sponsor but both of them are more than capable of bringing decent sponsors that would go towards the teams running anyway, even yeah, without Audi's show. help. Yeah, especially yeah, Joe. Yeah, Joe being like this this icon in China that he is, like being that Chinese driver that's made it to Formula One. Like there's there's a lot of back in there, and Bottas has got a, a long history already in Formula One, even though it doesn't feel like he's been around that long. He actually has. Yeah. Um, and a, a lot of the sponsors that they currently have come through Bottas so mm-hmm. it's you know it makes sense for them to if if it ain't broke don't fix it you know if they're still performing main, maintain them I think the, the the big question will come when it gets to the end of 2025 and or like halfway through 2025 if Audi don't want either of those drivers then a difficult decision have been made but I can't see Audi just like putting the foot down and throwing drivers at the team that they want until nearer the time when it's actually their team. Yeah. Or partly their team, should I say. I've already seen people suggesting that uh, Seb will come out of retirement to help Audi develop into a championship-winning team like Schumacher from Mercedes, but... I wouldn't mind that. I wouldn't mind it at all, but less likely, I would say. Yeah. I think from what sort of... From what's been coming out of the Vettel camp... It, he sounds like he's pretty ready to move on, doesn't he? It feels doesn't quite fine. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, they do that. They all do this. They think, oh, yeah, I'm ready to move on. And then literally they go one season and they're like, ah, oh, I miss it. I want to go back. <laughs> yeah. You know, Raikkonen, Schumacher, like it's, it's happened a lot. They all go and yeah. do other motorsport and it just doesn't scratch the itch like F1 did. Yeah. And even like Jensen Button, like you saw Jensen Button leave and then literally all season, the next season, saying how much he wished he was still driving Formula One cars. Yeah. So. Yeah. Should we dip back into driver news, of which there's been lots this year? Yeah. Let's do it. We've nearly filled all the seats on the grid, but we're still not quite there. One that's 
semi there is Logan Sargent, who Williams have confirmed for next season if he gets a super license, which I don't think anyone has ever announced an F1 driver for a race seat that doesn't necessarily have all the things in place to be allowed to. It's a, a weird way of doing it. Um, mm. I mean, I can see why they announced it while they were in America, so I guess it was like good optics or whatever, but... Um, well, yeah, it's premature, only, isn't it? I mean, if he doesn't have it the... Is a little. He doesn't have the super license points to have a Formula 1 drive, right? So... Uh, it, things are going to have to go very badly for him in Abu Dhabi for him to not have a super license, but it's still not a done deal. Um, so yeah, he's out, he's still in his first season of F2. Um, the super license is really hard to make exact sense of because there's like bonus points that can pick up for doing certain mileage in practice sessions and stuff. But basically, right. it looks like he needs nine more points from F2, which means he needs to finish sixth in the championship, which I believe is third or fourth at the moment, so he should be it's fine. Th- it's third at the moment. Yeah. That uh, seems like a kind of... It's... Oh, go on, sorry. Shonky... It seems like a bit of a rubbish way into Formula 1. Let's finish sixth in the Formula 2 championship, and then suddenly we're a Formula 1 driver. Like, surely F2 is not doing its job at that point if... But finishing top five in potentially, yeah, finish- multiple seasons, not enough... Well, yeah, it's yeah. weird. This is weird. Well, yes. I don't, I don't, I mean, I think mathematically he might be able to catch Theo in second, but it'd be very, very slim if, like, it needs two seriously good results and yeah. Theo Pocher not getting any. Um, the, the, his main concern would be how tight it is behind him. There's like about four drivers tied for fifth really behind close, him yeah. or something like it is ridiculously close how uh, uh sorry ridi- like well, ridiculous how close it is is what i was trying yeah. to say yeah um so that that top five could all change over the course of uh abu dhabi because that's their last event as well bearing in mind yeah um mm. what do we think of him as a choice for williams um obviously he's not super experienced he's, he's definitely got potential i think but it 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 kind of feels to me a bit like like originally Williams was supposed to be getting Piastri on loan. Obviously, that's not happening. Then there was lineup De Vries, and then he's gone to uh, AlphaTauri, and it sort of feels a little bit like, oh, who's left? Oh, yeah, he's our junior driver. I guess we'll promote him. Like you know, I, I don't want to do the guy a disservice, but he feels it's, very third choice. Yeah, it, I mean, it is a little bit. Um, I, I mean, I've I've always liked Logan in the lower formulas than Formula 2. Still like him now, but it it, it always feels, unless, unless a driver absolutely sort of smashes F2 and nails the title season one, I'm always sceptical about them getting out of F2 in their first season, just because mm. unless they've got absolutely years under their belt, which is not normally the case when you're in F2, that's kind of why you're there, then you know coming into that and winning it in your first season... Or, or especially not winning it in your first season, like this this racecraft to build up racing at that level and that amount of travel that's involved because they obviously follow Formula One around a lot now. It brings them more into that sort of worldwide constant travel and adjustment. Like th- there's a lot of factors to play, and I think that until you've been proficient in say two, maybe three seasons of Formula Two, you may be not ready to take the step up. I mean, some drivers are. 
Yeah. Some drivers have proven that they can skip it and still, you know, still perform well, yeah. Formula One. It's but not, it's not like it's a be all and end all, but yeah, exactly. They're the exception, not the rule. And generally, you would say that you'd want, you don't want to be promoting a driver that's had a couple of years in Formula Two to hone their craft. Like, I, I feel like it's weird that they've not gone hunting uh, Drogovic because. He seems like the better option, and from my understanding, he's not affiliated with anyone anymore. No, is he? he is. He's um, Aston Martin Reserve. Ah, uh, okay. Oh, he is. Yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah, they. I'd forgotten him. about that. I mean, for me, like, this is going to sound really harsh, but I feel like we're just driving. We're talking about a bunch of drivers that have never really set the world on fire, and and for me, like, I don't know. It's kind of by the by, to be honest. All of this. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of. A lot of drivers in F2 right now that need another year or two in F2. Yeah. I mean, the fact that Drogovic is running away with it probably says that anyone other than him needs a bit more time there to to mature into the sport a little bit, I would say. Like, if you think back in recent years when we've had, like, Norris, Russell, Gasly, even Giovinazzi at the time, like, Callum Eilat, these are all drivers who were, like, these guys are great. Get them in F1 cars. They deserve a chance. And not all of them even got a chance. Mm-hmm. Whereas yeah. now it feels a bit like, oh, who? I guess this guy, he's maybe, he's got the points, I suppose he's ready. But it's not like they've turned up and been incredible. It's like, yes, this is the one. Get him in it, an F1 car. It feels like a bit of a fallow year for young drivers to me this year. I'm going <sighs> to say it. There I said it. A little Maybe. De- definitely a lot of drivers that need more experience. Yeah, at the very I would least. say so. Like when you look, I mean, I, the, the 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 season I always compare it to is the season that we had Albon, um, Russell, and Norris, the yeah. three of them, just head yeah. to head for like two seasons in a row. First in Formula Three and then in Formula Two, and they were some of the best seasons of Formula Three and Formula Two that I've ever seen. Um, and then to see, you know, you could tell from seeing them in Formula 3, you could tell that the three of those guys were going to make it to F1. Mm-hmm. They were yeah. very clearly going to do it. And I think no one in F2 at the moment, I, I watch less Formula 2 now, I will admit, but I don't really see anyone on that grid in Formula 2 right now that I can picture going straight to a Formula 1 team and being quick. Mm. Yeah, I, I think that this is this is kind of the, the curse of the F2 and doing well in it, though. Like... I've talked about before the fact that what it always feels like is every so often you get one of these years where the the title battle's really close and there's like two, three, sometimes maybe even four drivers that you can easily pick out of. They have a future, like whether it's in F1 or another like sort of top tier of motorsport, like they have a future in motorsport, like long term, and they all generally disappear. Whether they end up in Formula One or, or not is another matter, but... You look back to last year, and I'm literally looking at the standings now. You've got Piastri, who had to leave because he was champion. You've got Schwartzman, who had struggled to find a race seat because of obviously his, his nationality for his license. Had to get that change, which delayed him starting anything this season. Mm-hmm. You've got Joe, who's gone to Formula One, and you've got Tictum, who moved to Formula E. The next person in that list is Theo Pochet in fifth. And he's now second in the world title. Drogovic was eighth last year and he's now leading the world championship. So, like, there's a lot of drivers that suddenly have to step up. And then I feel like you get a year like this where one or two of those drivers that have already got a bit of experience kind of just way outperform anyone else and 
sort of become mm-hmm. the only option. And like Drugovich is going to win this now, but ultimately he's not going to get a seat, is it? And that that's the curse of the fact that Joe's come out of the sport in third place and got into a seat. Tictum's come out of the sport and gone to Formula E. Piastri's come out and ultimately got a seat, really, Piastri, I guess, but he's had to wait for it. I guess it's the quality of the competition, though, isn't it? It's like, you know, yes, you know, Norris came second, Albon came third, but they were up against really top guys, whereas the year after Mm -hmm. that, Latifi was F2 champion. He was like, all right, I guess. Was it not De Vries? Was, was oh, the freeze not one of the, one of the few the that? Oh, the might have been just before then. Yes, Latifi when there was, was no the one, and then after... these all came up from F three. It was Gasly and Giovinazzi were the top two the year before. Yeah, they graduated, and then Latifi was like, "Well, okay, yeah. Well, all you've got, all you're against, is like the leftovers from the previous <laughs> season, really, and the, the yeah. newcomers from F three. So. Oh, I didn't take as long to get into Latifi's. I know, right? Shortcomings. Yeah. Well, he's only around for a couple more races. So <laughs> we, should, we should move on. We should move on. Twenty-five minutes, if that. Yeah. Uh, all right. We'll move on to the only other seat left on the grid, which is Haas. Um, and it's pretty widely believed now that uh, Polkenberg is going to get the nod for the Haas seat over Schumacher. In fact, it may well be announced by the time you're listening to this. It's, it, it, they definitely seem to be saying they're going to make the decision before brazil uh, i mean we've we've talked about this before but like just briefly is that a good choice for Haas? i think in terms of like reliability and not smashing up cars and <laughs> developing the car i think maybe it would be good for Haas to have like two sort of steady hands in the car for a season just to get them on their feet really because they've not had a great season this year and so for Haas I don't hate it but for the Formula 1 audience I think it's dull yeah yeah Mm -hmm. I just don't know what's he really bringing to the table yeah when we talked about this last time the potential of it the potential of him coming back I just don't quite feel what he adds above what Magnussen's probably already capable of doing for them if they're retaining Magnussen. And I'd, I would have rather kept a young driver or put a different young driver in the seat than... Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, if Magnussen was going as well and they wanted sort of a somewhat experienced head that knows the sport and knows what it takes, you know, with this sort of size of calendar, then yeah, sure, put Hulk in it. But they've got Magnussen in that other seat and so I, d- I just, especially when he's been in and out of the sport for so long, literally the only thing you could do is maybe bring him tiny bits of secret intel from other teams. <laughs> yeah. Which is probably he's pointless. because pretty much every engine now, hasn't he? It, we, but we've changed aero formula since, so yeah. anything he probably did learn is probably like redundant now anyway. But he, <laughs> he's a good enough driver that like he he's the sort of driver that you can throw in a new car. I think this is the difference between him and Schumacher, actually. You can mm. throw Hulkenberg into a completely different car that he's used to, and he'll probably within a race or to mm. in a session, be on top of it and be understanding how to get True. the most in that car and be a safe pair of hands with that car and know where the limit is quite quickly. I think the problem we have with Schumacher or the problem has to have with Schumacher is that it takes him like a season to get up to speed or half a season this year to get up, to get anything like the level of performance he needs to be getting out of that car. And then the process of him getting there is so expensive for the team because there's so many incidents and so many... yeah bits of car damage here, there and everywhere throughout the year that it just, it, it makes him a really, 
difficult option for a team like Haas where, you know, they're probably not meeting the budget cap and they need to make every every penny count, every bit of research count. And if your repair bill is is higher than your 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 development budget, then you know, you're not going to progress as a team over a season, are you? In in the cost cap era, having a fast but crashy driver is a lot less of a prospect than it used to be for sure. Yeah. Like yeah. there's definitely drivers over the years, it's like, yeah, they crash from time to time, but when they don't, they're bloody quick and teams will, you know, stick with them. But it's just not feasible anymore. Yeah. Do you reckon Haas went after Ricardo? Because in a in a driver market where Hulk and Ricardo are options, I'd still, you know, for all his struggles, I'd be picking Ricardo of the two of them any day of the week. I wonder you, if they went after him and he turned them down. I was about I to say, would Ricardo pick Haas though? I like I can see that being a as much as I want to stay in the sport i'd rather have a sabbatical year and create yeah. the ties that he's looking at with mercedes then mm. i mean he's obviously feeling pretty confident eh, that he can go away and have a sabbatical and he, he can come back um, he's making all the right noises at least yeah well i mean there's all this about joining mercedes to fill the old test driver slots from everyone that's gone from there and stuff so it gives him a good link very nice but... the athlete yeah beautiful oh, link then. there Tom. <laughs> to, um stoff van dorn former mercedes test driver and current formula e champion has joined aston martin as their new test and reserve driver which he'll be doing alongside felipe drogovic who we already mentioned um so yeah, that's interesting for two reasons. One is it leaves Mercedes basically with no test and reserve drivers now because obviously Nick DeVries has gone to AlphaTauri. I think the sort of most senior uh, driver on Mercedes books left now is Frederick Vesti, who's an F2 rookie. And he's oh, doing the... No, well, non race drivers. <laughs> um, like he's doing the postseason test, and he's like he might finish in the top three, I think, in F two this season. But he's not on like he's not the reserve driver a team like Mercedes would normally have. Um, so yeah, that potentially leaves a hole there for Ricardo to slot into, as are the rumours. And also interestingly, with the stuff joining Aston Martin announcement. They mentioned him sharing that role with Felipe Drogovic and no mention of Hulkenberg, who's been holding that role at Aston Martin for the last several seasons, which again points further to Hulkenberg has a seat elsewhere he's going into. So mm. interesting mm. stuff. Um, I mean, at the top of it, I'm glad to see Van Dorn still sort of linked to F1 in some capacity. Hopefully we'll get yeah. to see him in a FP1 session sometime. Yeah. I mean, hopefully we, I mean, ideally you'd like to see him race, but is, is it me or is it a quiet news week this week? There's a lot of, lot of it's a very quiet news going week. on. This is, this, we, we, we're wrap, wrapping up the stuff we missed before. And it, and it's the end of the season, to be fair. And it's the end of the season. Yeah, who do, you'd, th- you'd think that the season was basically wrapped up and there wasn't much to talk about. I don't know. Are you, you, are you not excited but... to talk about stuff of Andor, I'm always excited to talk about Stoffel Van Dorn. I mean, you know what? I, I, feel, I feel like Stoffel Van Dorn was like a really unlucky driver. Like oh, I actually rate him really yeah. highly, but he Man, just you want, of, you want to speak McLaren of, at the wrong time. Yeah, you want to talk about uh, drivers that set the world alight in the junior careers. Stoff was like the next big thing coming through the yeah. junior series. And then, yeah. yeah, it just didn't work for him. 
But you know, he's a he's a world champion now, albeit in Formula E. He's, Formula he's e, made it to the top of a tree, not necessarily yeah. the one he initially aimed for. But yeah. well, he he's he's got mm. a world championship. That's what they all want. He does. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, another thing that we didn't really talk about last week uh, with everything going on is the fact that Gasly is now only two penalty points away from a race ban. Uh, if he gets two more penalty points between now and Monaco next year, he will get a race ban, which would make him the first driver to get one since Grosjean in 2012 and the first within this season. Um, and it's interesting, uh, something I haven't thought about until recently is that the system's actually got harsher over the years because obviously we've had more and more races added to the calendar, which is more opportunities to pick up penalty points, but they yeah. literally haven't changed the point system at all since they introduced it in like 2013, I think it was. Wow. And there's like, what, f- six more races next season than there would have been then? Yeah. Wasn't that like an 18-ish race season? Yeah, I think so. Would have been. Um, yeah. But like you look down why he's got the penalty points. Like, So he got two for collision with Stroll in Spain. I don't remember that specifically, but let's say he he did cause that. Collision with Vettel in Austria. I do remember that one. That was his fault. Uh, exceeding track limits in Austria was a point. What? That, yeah. You got a point for exceeding track limits? That's a bit yeah. ridiculous. Um, speeding under red flag conditions in Japan. Fair enough. I think he deserved those. Two points for falling 10 car lengths behind the safety car in USA. Like That's two stupid. points for that. That's it's a silly stupid. thing to do, but two points for it? Um, did, sorry, just to stop on that one. Did Perez get points for the same thing when he got in trouble for it? Oh, good I can't question. Because if he didn't, that's like just yet more of the... Yeah, it's fuel to the fire, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. like Fans conspiracy theory stream. Conspiracy Let's have a look at Perez penalty points 2021. 2022. I've, I've woken up. <laughs> yeah, you've, not, you've woken up in the wrong year. It's 2022. <laughs> oh, yeah, 2022. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, he did. He got two points for the same thing in Singapore. So That's at least fine, they were consistent on that. Um, but I guess the, the the underlying question under all that is, like, if you look at Pierre Gasly's last... I guess it's actually all since Spain. So his last, like, what, six or eight months of Grand Prix racing. Is that a driver that looks deserving of a race ban? It's like... I wouldn't say so. No, I've, no. I've, this whole system's just it just. I mean, if he did, if he did end up with a race ban, for you know, because of things like where's the list? You know, exceeding exceeding track limits is not yeah. penalty points. That's I'm sorry, but that's outrageous that you, that you get penalty points for that. Um, the whole point of this system, as we've said many many times, is to prevent egregiously dangerous driving. Mm-hmm. Right, so it's to stop people deliberately forcing other cars off track and even though you know even the penalty the one penalty point he got for forcing Lance Stroll off track and gaining an advantage he was out he wasn't in control like he'd locked up and the, the that was that was a racing incident that was not yeah. penalty points um yeah. if he'd given the place back maybe he wouldn't have got the penalty points but Really, it's up to the stewards to instruct them to give the place back. Like it's no good. They're not allowed. To, to they're not allowed to though anymore. Remember, the the rule oh, around no. that change. No, the rule around that change saying they will no longer instruct a driver and a team to give a position back. Why? But 
if they don't choose to do it themselves and are investigated to be in the wrong, they will be penalised for it. But they were told that if they felt they'd done something wrong, that they would get penalised for, they should give the place back of their own free will. Basically. Yeah, but how, you, how as a team, how are you supposed to know? Like, obviously, the teams are never going to give the places back then because there's no one to tell. No, them they're going to say the penalty, but that's that's yeah. kind of the the point. Really, is that I think the teams had a problem with them giving places back, but then some form of penalty still ending up with them, and then vice versa, like yeah. being being penalised. Having it, to have the debate in during a race, I guess part of yeah. it has to do with the fact that they can't speak to race control anymore, can they? So yeah, Possibly. Yeah, yeah uh, it, it did change for, I think, multitude of reasons, but there's been some significant ones. Yeah, I think that's silly. I think you ought to mm. be able to, race control ought to be able to, commu- it's just communication, isn't it? That's yeah. the thing. I think, that, and that, that's been a theme this season, there's been such a poor lack of communication between race control and teams and slow processing of, of, of penalties and of, and of infringements throughout, you know, every, pretty much every race this year has had something happen where the, the stewards probably could have done a better job. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've done that to death as well this year. So we have done that. <laughs> let's to just death. keep going. <laughs> Should we move on and talk about Brazil? Yeah. Yeah. Which talk is a race I'm very much looking forward to. Even though you're not going to see it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm genuinely really gutted that I'm going to miss it live. I will be on a plane and or jet lagged. Will you catch qualifying? Yeah, I'll see. Well, qualifying's Friday, isn't it? Because it's sprint yeah, weekend. Sprint race. So I will see that. I will miss the sprint race and the Grand Prix. Yay, sprint race weekend. So, Woo. Shoot us the storylines. Yeah, the first thing to say, though, is to remind everyone to do... Anyone who can watch the sprint race on a delay is to definitely watch it before the actual race starts. Oh yeah. Immediately before Stu's the actual race starts. Do the hack. Sprint race hack. <laughs> yeah, it works. It works. It works great. It makes sprint races good. <laughs> um, I can, I can jump in and do some storylines for you. Take the reins. Um, first one, uh, can Verstappen be stopped from winning again? Um, he's been just on fire the second half of the season. And well, most of the first half of the season. Um, it's <laughs> going to be in between. Yeah, it's going to be pretty difficult, I think, for anyone to put the brakes on the uh, Red Bull. But, you know, it is towards the end of the season now. You're going to start seeing sort of reliability issues. Mm -hmm. I can't see Verstappen going off the boil and being any slower. But I think there is potential for, you know, as time goes on, people people want these bragging rights for these last few races. You know, the championship definitely isn't over for a lot of teams. So... High altitude in um, in Brazil, similar to to Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, Mercedes is saying that it's going to be difficult for them to compete with with Red Bull, and they'll be more focused on Ferrari. Um, and Mercedes seem to think that the two those two teams, Ferrari and uh, Mercedes, are sort of a little bit a little bit further back from Red Bull. But, oh, the the press statement sandbags are out. I see. Yeah, well, that's it. Like you never really know, do you? Like Mercedes might rock up. I mean, li- this time last year, Mercedes were absolutely flying, and particularly mm. in Brazil, they had a great package in Brazil. The engine was doing a great job, but you know things are a lot different this year. E10 fuel engine doesn't seem to be quite as quite the beast that it was last year, and aerodynamically they're just quite draggy. They're overweight. There's a lot of aspects of that car that yeah. are not 
optimized at this point <laughs> in the season. Um, so, yeah, I've kind of done two storylines in one there because the next one is, will Mercedes get the strategy right this time and take the fight to Red Bull? Can they close the gap to Ferrari? Do they even want to? Good, good storyline, Chris. I, think, <laughs> <laughs> I still think Mercedes care more about winning a race than coming second. I do, but I don't think it would be the end of the world if they finished third in the championship. They'd, they'd take it. If, it. if it came to them, they'd take it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but I think you know, I think you're right. I think they would want. Uh, they definitely want to win a race. I mean, Hamilton must be desperate to win a race to maintain yeah. that record of uh, however many. Well, mm. I mean, literally every every, every season, season has been. He's had a win, he, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Fourteen now. Must be that many. I think so. Yeah. Uh, he says, this year would make it fifteen. I think. He says he doesn't even think about the record, and it means nothing to him. I don't believe him. Yeah. I can tell you yeah. someone else who's thinking about that record, and that's Max Verstappen. Yeah. There's nothing yeah. he would like more than to not allow that to happen, for sure. <laughs> the the, uh, the Hamilton win. So, yeah. Um, expect fierce a fierce battle from them, too, mm-hmm. if, as always. If, if it does come to that, um, we shall see. We've been earmarking this race all season as one that Mercedes could well stand a chance at, so... Yeah, I mean the rhetoric out of the team says otherwise, but yeah, I still think that there's an opportunity. Doesn't it always? Yeah, I think I think mm-hmm. there is a chance for them here. I think they must be feeling a little, at least a little ray of confidence inside. Like based on their performance last year, they know how to win yeah. here. I guess the strategy thing maybe is where they're going to sl- slip up. Like they've not been in the fight often enough this year to really, really fine tune their strategy calls. I think, and. Um, mm-hmm. If anything's, you know, there's multiple things that can come and bite them, but I think definitely the strategy thing is something that could definitely rear its ugly head again and, and put them into a position where they're going to lose out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. I just, I just, I just want them to be aggressive. I think if they're yeah. aggressive, if they split the strategies instead of being sort of defensive in, in their strategy, then they've got they're in with a chance. But I think if they're defensive, then they're going to be second guessed by Red Bull at every turn. Absolutely. Yeah. I- I think that they've got the car and the drivers at the minute. Like, it looked like they had the pace last time out to to at least give a fight, yeah. and were just out strategized. Um, so I think if they if they come out all guns blazing in that area and take the fight to Red Bull in strategy calls, they've got a much better chance of again sharing the podium with them. I th- I think that's like without question that. One of them, if not both of them, will be on the podium with a Red Bull driver. It's just a case of which order. And, and yeah. that's going to be how aggressive they go on strategy, I think. Especially because we've got a sprint race. Like, yeah. he's got to play a factor into it. Um, the quite is a question for you. If Hamilton wins the sprint, does it count <laughs> of his seasons with a win, even if he doesn't win the Grand Prix? I would say well, no, because I you've got to no. win the Grand Prix. Yeah. But I'm sure some people will try and claim it does. Though. Some, I bet some people oh, will yeah. if if that happens. Yeah. If Team that LH happens. will be all over that. Yeah, it's a Grand Prix victory, isn't it? Yes. Not, not just it should be, in my opinion. To, yeah, it has to be a Grand Prix victory, right? I mean, um, it's like saying one... that him getting pole is is a victory this year, what? and it's not. It's, it's <laughs> or... the equivalent, isn't it? The race is basically setting the grid for the Grand Prix. That's true. Yeah. So it's yeah, like saying, not, oh yeah, no, he got no, pole now because it. It's, it was sprint qualifying last year, but now it's the it is a sprint. It's, it's just sprint, a sprint race now. It's it's sprint. No, no, no. It's just a sprint. Just a sprint. It's not a sprint race because <laughs> the race is that we don't want to devalue the Grand Prix. 
it's it's just a script just like talking themselves into circles with these ridiculous isn't it it's Um, not a race it's just some laps yeah exactly it's running it's running it's just some laps and we we, we just take we just take note of the order at the end (laughs) sprint running yeah on track content um content generation yeah um next one is ferrari ferrari um performance the ferrari performance in mexico was it just a blip or are they for best now um who knows i, I can't just, tell isn't it just after some air, air, i can't even say it aero time winter time <laughs> no one wants to come second no yeah, yeah. it's just they don't it's, yeah the sandbags around i don't know like i think I think Ferrari probably had a bit of a blip with their car and their setup in the, in the last race. I, I don't believe that they're that far off the pace. I think I agree with that. I think as well, one thing we've got to remember is this is Mexico and a good chunk of Ferrari performance has actually come from the power unit, hasn't it? Like that's yeah, been yeah. their strength. And we're talking about a circuit last time out where Red Bull were always sort of in touching distance of Mercedes because of the the sort of restriction, I guess, that that puts on what the engines are capable of being in that sort of thinner, the high altitude air. Engines, yeah, yeah, the inter- yeah. It's- so the ICE part of the engine is is more limited, basically, when you've got that thinner air. There's there's less of it to work with. So you you've always seen that traditionally that like in the past it's been a team like Mercedes has kind of been reeled in a little bit by teams with the less powerful engines because of those factors. I think maybe that played into it a little bit for Ferrari. And then with Brazil being similar, it's not quite as high in altitude, but it's always been like a little bit of a factor here at Brazil. Yeah. I think yeah. that, you know, they're probably going to be the third best team in this weekend coming up because of that. It's not going to help. I, it's, not, it's not as power hungry of a track though, I guess, is it Brazil? Well, that's the difference from the final from the final corner, true, all the way to turn one. It is it's pretty much flat. It's a long old uphill straight with relatively high altitude. That's what's going to hurt them, isn't it? That's what's going to hurt them. That bit, um, that sort of final final sector into first sector. Yeah, I mean, I think the rest of it, they'll be okay. Yeah, it's a kart track to a Formula One car. Yeah, it's not Mm. so. There's less aero dependence on this circuit Mm -hmm. compared to others, but I mean that could be a thing that pulls Red Bull back towards the other teams. So yeah. it's, yeah, I think I do think it's all to play for. I think between the three teams at the top, I think there's definitely, it's worth watching. Chris, you, you're right to be disappointed that you're going to miss it, basically. Is what <laughs> yeah, thanks. Um, the next storyline is just just a, a broad sweep of midfree, midfield battles. Can't speak, midfield battles. Um, we've got Alpine reliability, keeping that keeps helping McLaren close the gap for fourth. It's now a seven-point gap. Um, you've got Aston Martin aiming for Alfa Romeo for sixth. There's only four points between those guys. And then Haas and Alvatari only have one point between them for eighth. So Ooh. there's actually a lot to play for down the constructors' order. Yeah, big time. Yeah. Just because the championships your, are done. Who's your, um, who's your most interesting battle out of those? You've got Alpine, McLaren, Aston Martin, Alfa Romeo, and Haas and Alvatari. It is Aston because, Martin. It is, I'm sorry, LP McLaren, just because that's like, it's basically best of the rest, isn't it? Like, we knew yeah, what the top that, three teams were going to be very early on, but. Yeah, that combined with the fact that they're probably the two teams that are having 
more of a fight on circuit over those mm-hmm. positions as well. Like it's not like Alpha and Aston Martin, for example, aren't or Haas and Alpha Tauri aren't. But I feel like Alpine McLaren is sort of the much more on track fight, at least in recent races it has been. Um, yeah. yeah. It'd be very interesting to see that continue to play out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then finally, will the sprint race be any good for once, or will it have any positive? Or will it have any positive impact on the weekend whatsoever? I mean, so. last year's sprint race here was delightful, but for all the wrong reasons. Though, yeah, it was only good because the fastest <laughs> car was starting last. Yeah. And should arguably should never have been, based on some of like the rules yeah. decisions that we've seen this season probably have was been particularly harsh to that year. It's almost like putting fast cars at the back makes for exciting races. What yeah. a weird concept! Don't you don't you dare try and pitch reverse grids again. <laughs> don't you dare! The FIA will not hear of this. What is this reverse grid concept you're talking of? It sounds so strange and alien to me. It's not like we use it in any other racing series. It is FIA sanctioned. <laughs> no, sir. Yeah, it's not like I've just... never seen an amazing reverse grid race before. <sighs> is it? I'm finding yeah. it really hard to get excited about watching a sprint race, honestly. <laughs> even even Max Verstappen this week was saying how he just doesn't get why they're bothering. A bunch of the drivers are just like, I don't know why we're doing this. Yeah. <laughs> I wish we weren't. Yeah. And Hamilton was like, Hamilton was moaning because he, he was expecting three day weekends this year and the. the <laughs> still on four day weekends so yeah um make of that what you will (laughs) um will it be any good i mean well yeah it was good last year um but for the reasons we've discussed does it's very obvious why it it was good last year i i unless something drastic happens and say verstappen ends up at the back of the grid he has a lot of work to do to get to the front then i don't see it being that crazy I mean, to be fair, like it's probably a good event to take engine penalties at if anyone does need to take them, because obviously you get two bites of the cherry sort of thing. But mm. although the engine penalties don't get applied until the Grand Prix, do they? That's correct. Yes. So I guess it's less of a thing. Yeah. Well, I don't know this season actually because they it's not qualifying anymore, is it? It's it's a sprint. So maybe. I wonder if it, yeah, I wonder if it depends on when you take the engine. Yeah, because if you took it before the sprint, it maybe penalises your I wonder sprint if start. The FIA even know, or whether they'll have to hmm. rapidly work that out after Let, the qualifying has uh, finished. Let's go read all the pink highlighted text that's changed since last year and work it out before the FIA even know, because we put a hypothetical against the rules and see if it works. <laughs> let's go find it. Might take um, a while. Um, yeah. <laughs> shall we go into the next yeah. thing? Uh, predictions. It's predictions time. It's predictions time. Yes, it is. Do you want me to run through predictions? It's usually my little wheelhouse, yeah. isn't it? If you've got it in you, Tom. I can do a little bit of talking for a little while. So, uh, right. As always, we're going to predict um, a fastest qualifier, a winner, a first DNF, a random driver's finishing position, and then the overall number of finishers. Um, for fastest qualifier, it will obviously be fastest in Q3, that's how it always works sprint race has no effect on this and winner as well is the winner of the Grand Prix not the sprint first DNF, it's first DNF in the sprint in the main race, not the sprint oh, I nearly <laughs> slipped up there same with finishers, same with random basically, pretend the sprint doesn't exist which I'm sure you're all more than happy to do 
It practically so, doesn't anyway. Yeah. If you want to get involved, head to backofthegrid.com and you can fill in your predictions there. It will all be open by the time you are listening to this. Uh, right. Fastest in Q3. Chris. Uh, you can head first this one. Um, Ferrari have done a lot of... Ferrari have got a lot of poles this season. It's a Red Bull track, though, isn't it? I, I think it's got to be Max. Okay. I'm going to basically say I feel the same way. I feel like the Mercedes is definitely going to have enough to challenge them, but maybe not on like single lap pace. So I can see it being like the Red Bulls and the Mercedes kind of mixed up at the front. So, but I'm going to say Verstappen comes out on top. Still, I'm going to go Russell, just because he was close in. It was close in Mexico. Uh, yeah, it was up there. Could have, could have done there. it in Mexico, I think, if he'd not had yeah. a, the minor slip up that he had in the in the sector in the first sector of his fast run. Um, yeah. So yeah. Okay, winner. I'm going to be the one that goes out on a limb at this point, and I am putting Hamilton in this spot. Wowza. I'm doing do, it. Do you not like points? <laughs> I've got enough points at this point yeah, in the season. <laughs> See, you, you've kind of stolen my thunder there, because I was going to be the one to go, actually, I'm going to go crazy and say Hamilton, and you've just gone and done it. Why do you think I didn't go last on qualified? Yeah, it's because yeah. I wanted to jump in first. I wanted to give myself an opportunity to invest on this one. If I now change I my mind because you've picked him and he wins, I'll kick myself, so I've got to say Hamilton as well. <laughs> okay. Still? I am going to be remain independent from the pair <laughs> and I'm going to go Verstappen for uh, the win. Stu's going to be intelligent and choose the driver yeah. that actually is going to win. Right? I feel, for, for yeah, I feel like... With my head and not my heart. This, yeah, this I feel like Probably the first Stu... time all season. getting that point over us any day, I think. Um, okay, first DNF, you can go first. So, Stu, you haven't been first yet. Um... It's a tricky one, actually, this for first DNF. Who was first DNF last year? We had R- R- Norris oh. was first out last year. I think he got a puncture at the start. Um, Your memory's better than mine. You're in that. Yeah, it's a lot better than Because I, I watched the highlights. Really. <laughs> um, I think it's, kind of, it's one of those circuits that there's acres of runoff, so it's quite difficult to... You need to have a collision. The only real pinch point is at the start of the race. So it's someone in the yeah. midfield, I think. I think I'm going to go Gasly. I think Gasly might even end up getting himself an extra couple of penalty points. Oh, wow. From the race Bonus wow. he's in at the moment, yeah. Okay. So let's go Gasly. Okay. Um, Chris, what about you? I'm going to stick with the... Alpine on a ropey run of form and say I'll go for Ocon this time. Okay. <sighs> I'm trying to think who I can like single out for ought to do well, therefore won't, as my usual mantra is, and I genuinely can't think of anyone. Do you know what? Since I've got Hamilton down as the winner, I'm just going to put Verstappen here because that's like I somehow see that kind of problem hurting Verstappen not saying Hamilton couldn't win it outright more that I think that's what will help him secure it so why not first thing like let's do it let's do it uh, number of finishes Chris what was it like 18 last time yeah I'll go 18 okay Stu 
17, please. Okay. I'm going to go slightly less 16. End of the season engine's going pop, maybe. So that is that. And Chris, have we put everyone back into Random Driver now? We've they drawn everyone, right? Back in the pot, yes. Okay. This should be interesting then. Draw one. Let's draw one. It is Valtteri Bottas. Valtteri Bottas. Oh, that is tough. It is. That is tough. Um, oh. I'm going to go... He had a decent qualifying, but had an abysmal he has, qualifying. The race pace has just been so poor there. Yeah, I think yeah. he is... He's, I think he finishes, but I think he's down in like sort of probably. I want to say twelfth. Oh, that's where I was going to go. Do I change slightly? I've got Verstappen DNF in. I'll I'll go slightly better. I'll go eleventh. Oops, hundred and eleventh. I typed. Didn't mean that. Eleventh for me. Uh, I'll go Chris? the other way and say thirteenth. Okay. So we're all just short of points. I think some that's sensible, kind of fair. I think, I think these are some sensible predictions for once. Mm, for a change. I mean, me, to, me and Chris do have yeah. Hamilton as winning the race outright. So I wasn't talking about you guys. All right, <laughs> I was about to say. Speaking <laughs> yourself, maybe, <laughs> maybe is is the first race you've been a little more sensible. Yes. <laughs> so first, yeah, first race I've actually bothered to give decent predictions. I think to be honest. <laughs> I've had yeah, a fallow so year, all right? I've had a year away from from that's too fair. many predictions leagues. Last year was just way too stressful. I had three on the go last year. Didn't need it in my life. This year, down to one half half of a predictions league for me. It was a full predictions league for obviously everyone listening to the podcast and you guys and the people <laughs> at the top as well. You mustn't forget to submit your predictions, eh? Because it is tight at the top. And yeah. earlier than usual as well. Yes. yes. Big point there to remind her. Uh, to remind everyone even that yeah predictions will close as lights go out on q1 which is a friday so it's yes like you have five, five p.m uk time is it something like that <laughs> five thirty. yeah five thirty. oh of course you already be some normal <laughs> you have been warned <laughs> oh yeah head to back of the grid.com register if you haven't already always worth doing because there is a prize if you get five out of five and also, um, don't forget to update your Grid Rival teams as well. Yes, and thanks to Grid Rivals for sponsoring this little segment of the podcast as well. Yes. Yeah, oh, more, more info on our league there is available at backofgrid.com as well, so hit the Cor fantasy button. Correction, um, 7 p.m. qualifying UK oh, time. Oh, okay. There you go. But, I mean, it's, it's really down to people to not trust us and to go away and <laughs> if, if, if you've learned anything from listening to this podcast <laughs> yeah, over yeah. the last few seasons... Yeah. Double check all the stuff we say. <laughs> right, should we finish up with some inbox? Less. Yes, let's. Keep me saying now. Stay, stay out. Box, box, box. Hey, man. I'm actually just going to quickly jump in straight away. And Paul mentioned in the chat that we forgot to talk about the Vegas launch event while we were doing the news. Oh. I didn't forget to do it. I remembered it, but then I thought. Is that news? Was is there anything to discuss there, or was it just a thing that happened? But just I guess doing donuts. We'll acknowledge it. They did a big thing in Vegas. It seemed to be well attended. Um, the Mercedes <laughs> had some neons underneath it. It looked really cool. Did it? 
yeah, yeah, I think they should definitely enforce neons underneath cars for night races. Um, more interestingly, did you see the um, new uh, Hoonigan video that they did in Vegas? Oh, with the electric Audi. Yeah, I mean, so if, you're, no. if you're a videographer or a filmmaker oh. and you're into cars, every single time they do a film, it's just next level stuff. Like the the angles, they're so creative with the way they put these films together. Um, you should go on if you have Amazon Prime. Go on Amazon Prime, and there's like a, a Hoonigan. Um, there's a whole documentary about the making of the tenth. I think Hoonigan. Uh, video that they did the temp Jim Carner video that they did it's called the Jim Carner files the series and um, each episode is about 40 minutes ish about basically the making of each of those sections in Jim, in Jim Carner 10 and oh, amazing it goes into real detail about the car and uh, about well the cars plural um, about the location scouting about the filming techniques about all sorts and it, it's one of the things that got me into hoonigan as well watching that because before i watched that series i was never like into hoonigan and then i realized i got a youtube channel and oof, yeah like it's one of the best it got me through covid man like that that whole like car scene on youtube pretty much got me through covid but watching you know larry chen do car interviews and thing i'm, I'm bigging up another youtube channel here at this point but they're great <laughs> go and check them out can I just point out, he says a lot about the week's content when yeah, the thing that we're most like, excited yeah. about is Ken Block or someone doing a Hoonigan yeah. video. <laughs> right, should do some actual questions now. Yeah. Uh, first, from Paper Camera, let's pretend for a moment the Red Bull don't exist. Good starting point. Um, <laughs> with Brazil and Mexico so different in altitude and track, will anyone be able to carry over consistency from the last race? Yeah, I think paper camera is getting boycotted by Red Bull at this point. <laughs> like, don't expect any uh, any interviews with paper camera. Uh, I, think, <laughs> I think consistency is something everyone but Red Bull has been struggling with recently, it feels like. Yeah, it's true. Maybe yeah. it's about time they had some inconsistency. I think that's the key, isn't it? Like, maybe yeah, I think They've had is. all their consistency and now they're, they're done. <laughs> that's the only way anyone else has been in the race. Yeah. Maybe. I think Mercedes have got all the ingredients there. They just need to put them all together. Yeah. Kind of touched on it earlier, didn't we? Like Mercedes were probably able to have taken a little bit more advantage out of Red Bull in Mexico had the strategy been right. So if they can deploy everything, you know, to the best of their ability this mm -hmm. time out, story could be a little bit different. I hope it is for my prediction's sake. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think one thing we do need to all do is just give give Max Verstappen and Red Bull a lot more respect. They deserve so much more respect than what they get. And we should definitely be be respecting them and not disrespecting them so often. I love the irony in your delivery. I just love yeah, the irony I know in your delivery of that. Your tongue what? is firmly in your cheek. I do think Verstappen deserves a lot more respect than he's got. Red Bull, but, I'm I mean, less convinced about I, I feel like giving plenty because I've I've seen reviews of our podcast and when people say there's only one person on that show that doesn't hate Red Bull, it's definitely me they're talking about. <laughs> I think I think it's mad. I think I, you know I don't hate Red Bull. Like no, I, don't no, think I know you don't. It was I was just bantering a bad review, well, an average review that we got. Yeah, yeah. Just because it's yeah, funny. I, 
I do think it's unfair to say that we don't, because literally, like our team colours on this podcast are, are Red Bull. I'm nearly swore then. Red Bull colours. They which, literally. Yeah. It was that was the intention as well. We only yeah. added the teal for a bit of diversity in between the teams. <laughs> <laughs> like it used to be just the pure purple with the hints of Red Bull red in it. Yeah, we yeah. literally had a design based on every livery, whatever year it was we started, and. And yeah, and the Red, Red Bull, Bull, the Red Bull one, because so, we because because we were more excited about Red Bull than any other team. We thought <laughs> Don't you tell us? Danny Ricardo. They had like those. Those were the days when Red Bull were like, you know, nice and seemed like the sort of team that you'd want to be part of. In <laughs> in my mind, and I think things have just. I mean, if you're because they weren't the winning, guy, yeah, they weren't. But, yeah, fair enough. They weren't winning then, and it was a lot more sort of easier to be a Red Bull fan because they weren't spitting a dummy out every five minutes. I think that was the key for me. That's And that's what's changed in, this last, in recent years is there's I would a lot al- more Karenism going on. <laughs> yeah, I would also like to point out that if, if these videos ever do make it to air, that person will also see that I'm the person that wears every other team's merch but Red Bulls <laughs> and then have sort of eaten a humble pie about making that comment. <laughs> Yeah, but we, we decided um, a week or two ago when you weren't here, Tom, we decided that you need to buy a Verstappen cap next season because it's about time he had some bad oh, luck. Oh, yeah, so, so I've half heard that. Transfer about, your curse to About him. the bad luck, yeah. 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 And also just as a, as a, as a way of respecting him, I think, is the, is the, is the real... That is the, the key reason. thing. Yeah, the key thing. Next question, anyway, <laughs> is from Michelle. Um, she asks, how many races into next year until Alonso explodes on either Lance or the team? I don't think Aston Martin know what they're getting themselves into, do they? I don't think it's going to be many. I don't think so either. I, I mean, he's just going to be happy he's finally got a Merc engine, isn't he? Well, there is that. Yeah, he's got a Merc engine at the time when it's gone onto E10 fuel and is suddenly slower than every other engine. What's your blow yeah. up in the first race? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. They... Because they they said he's on a multi year deal, right? But they didn't give any specifics. I I would be surprised if there's not like get out performance clauses on Alonso side of things. Because probably he doesn't well, suffer many fools these days, does he? It's true, but I don't see him leaving early. I think, it, but I I do think he'll absolutely wipe the floor with Stroll. There's no doubt in my mind about I'd that. Expect I think that. Stroll's yeah. going to get taken to janitor school. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's going to get he's going to. Alonso's going to clean up. Um, and yeah, that's all really not going to be a competition, is it really? No. Uh, yeah. Next one? Yeah, and the last one for this week. Uh, Wesley says, Hey man, do you have any surprise predictions for the last two races, unexpected podiums, high finishes and the like, or will everyone just fall into their expected order? I like this mm. question. This is a fun question. Yeah. What what outlandish things can we see happening in the next I'm... two races? Oh, I know what I'm going to say. Uh, the the result Ricardo had uh, last race will he'll he'll keep that going, and he's going to finish finish up the year strong oh, and yeah. actually have. Don't be silly. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to have a couple of decent results in his final two races. That's what I'm going to say. Okay. Tom, oh. you got anything? I mean, I was going to, like, just curveball out there an Alpine slash McLaren podium. Like, one of those two. Because those two are fine out for, like, best of the yeah. rest. Because see if anything goes on up front, one of those mm-hmm. two teams definitely get on the podium. I was going to say Alpine, but Chris has now made me want to believe. 
No, I'm sticking with Alpine. An Alpine podium of some description. Says the man in the McLaren hat. Um, <laughs> I... And T-shirt. I realise I've I've double I've like oh, full, wow. kit, full kit full kit W'd today. Oh my god. Full kit W'd. <laughs> just, just such a hunter. <laughs> oh mate. I just love merch. Yeah. I just love merch. They, see, they <laughs> sell me things. Yeah. It's orange. I love it. I'll buy it. Um, I think on the McLaren theme, if we're making wild predictions, I, I would love to see a Norris podium before the season's out. I think Nor- well Norris podium towards the end of the season, I should say. Like he. I think he deserves a podium in that McLaren mm. um, for what he's done all season. He's been very competitive mm-hmm. all year. Um, another thing I would like, I would, I'd love to see Russell get his first race win before the season's yeah. out. Yeah. Um, I think that'd be nice. I think if, if it's going to happen anywhere, maybe this could be the circuit that it happens based on my predictions from predictions league. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so that'd be nice. But if we're being realistic, I do still think like it's going to be dominance from Red Bull probably to the end of the season now. Doesn't this have to be a win though? Remember, it's just surprises. Yes, yeah, I suppose surprise happen. results, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, maybe, yeah. you know, maybe there's like a Latifi podium and he's <laughs> swan song <laughs> redemption for last year in Abu oh, Dhabi. You're so funny. Thanks. When when did this ca- podcast get recategorized to the comedy section? <laughs> I don't think it's well. I don't think it's ever been factual, has it? Any of it? It's definitely True. the factual <laughs> section. Virtually, virtually parody at this point. I think this podcast sits firmly in other. Yeah, yeah. Miscellaneous. <laughs> Misc Formula One podcast back of the grid. Right. I think that's uh, all for this week. So we'll be back. Well, these two will be back next week to review the Brazilian Grand Prix. I will be. I think I'll be on a plane at that point in time or jet lag somewhere. I'll I'll try and like catch up on the race <laughs> and jump into Discord when I can. Um if you want to hear my jet lagged ramblings in Discord, you can go to patreon.com forward slash back of the grid where you can see how to get involved with that stuff. Otherwise you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, all the good stuff to get in touch with us. I say all the good stuff. Twitter's even more of a dumpster fire than it used to be these yeah, days, but we're still on there for now. <laughs> We can finally get his verified tick now, though. We'll just pay for yeah, it. Yeah, he's got to pay, pay for, for it. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Finally. Anyway, uh, as we said before, don't forget that you need to make your predictions before qualifying, which is on Friday this week. So you've got slightly less time to get your predictions set up. But I think that is everything. So we'll be back next week. Have a good one. Enjoy the race. And thanks and goodbye. And thanks Bye. and goodbye.